We're going to start a new series today, and we're going to be looking at the book of Ephesians. Ephesians has got six chapters in it, and it's in the New Testament. And if you're never sure with those letters of Paul, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, you can remember it by the acronym General Electric Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Or the other version is Gentiles Eat Pork Chops. Uh, that's another one that you can use to remember where Ephesians is. And it's a letter by Paul to the church in Ephesus. And we're going to be looking at that over the next couple of months. And I'm going to uh, challenge you, invite you in to uh, read it and saturate yourself in it. So I would love it if you read a chapter a day uh, at home, uh, Ephesians 1 on Mondays maybe, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. And then on Sundays, read the whole book. Uh, through and just do that over the next few weeks and uh, as we teach on it on Sundays look at it in our community groups and uh, hopefully the words will start to transform us and change us Um, so I'm going to read to you now the first um, 14 verses or so Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints in Ephesus the faithful in Christ Jesus grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be or blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons and daughters through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory." And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Uh, We've just sung some amazing songs, uh, some lovely hymns, and... um, What we have here in in Ephesians at the start of our letter and the start of our study is a great doxology, a a pion of praise, a a hymn of exaltation that Paul is writing as he starts to write to these believers. And uh, while we have it in verse form in several 11 verses, 14 verses, in the Greek version it's just one long flowing 
sentence of praise and adoration which cascades down from God the Father. It's a Trinitarian hymn. God the Father it starts with and then it goes down to Jesus the Son and then it goes down to the Holy Spirit and it flows from one to the next to the next and from one theme to the next theme to the next theme. And Paul loses himself in praise to God as he starts to write to these Ephesian believers. It's an amazing uh, flow of exaltation and blessing as Paul uh, praises. Now, why is he writing this letter, and why is it such a good letter for us to read and to study? Uh, In the Lee household, we have three birthdays in one month. In October, we're all, uh, first of all, my daughter Beth, and then my son Isaac, And then at the tail end, when everybody's lost interest, it's my birthday at the end of the month. I remember these birthdays very well. Um, Well, not my own. I I don't remember my own birth. But I do remember the birth of my two children, uh, at least the bits where I wasn't passed out. And they were amazing moments. Uh, The birth birth of these beautiful children, I I still remember it very vividly. But of course, uh, they, didn't, they didn't stay as babies. They didn't stay as little children. Uh, and now Isaac is 19 and Beth is 16. And I catch them, uh, a silhouette of them in the doorway. Isaac's six foot four and uh, I drove him away to university this year. And uh, they grow up. Kids have a tendency to grow up. <laughs> Um, and that's a great thing, and it's a natural thing, and sometimes it's a painful thing. Remember as I drove Isaac off to university this time, and uh, took him up to London, and uh, gave him a last supper at Nando's, and uh, took him shopping at Asda, and then drove away and cried (laughs) as I dropped off uh, Isaac at university. But they grow up, kids grow up, that's the expectation. And, uh, And... the same thing is, is, is the expectation for us as Christians. We are supposed to grow up. <laughs> We're supposed to mature. And, and what Paul is writing here to these Ephesian believers is, is he, wants them, he wants them to grow up. Uh, so he, he says um, in chapter 4 of this letter, uh, he, he's saying that the, the, fourfold, the fivefold ministry, but he's saying in, in verse 13 of chapter 4, until until we all reach two things. Uh, first of all, unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God, and until we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And then in verse 15, instead speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. Two main themes that flow right through the center of the, of the letter to the Ephesians are unity and maturity. We find the same thing in verse 10 of the chapter 1 where Paul says, uh, and he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. So um, it's this unifying message that Paul is bringing and he's actually speaking to his fellow Jews, and then he's speaking to the Gentiles, and he's saying we are all going to become one ethnicity under Jesus Christ. He has unified all things. So whether it's chapter 4 or whether it's chapter 1, the purpose of Paul's letter is, is to bring unity and to express the unity that we have in Christ, 
but also to preach to a people, to believers, that they might grow up in Christ. When we become Christians, we are babies. We are spiritual babies. We are born again of God, born of the Spirit of God. But then uh, we are to grow up in Christ, to mature in Christ, to show the fruit of the Spirit in our lives and to become more like Jesus. And, and that is the purpose of this letter. So I want to look at this morning, I want to look at kind of a, a what and a why and a how and a where in this passage. I want to look at the, the what that Paul is writing about. Look at how he starts this. He says, praise be, or he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Do you know this morning that you are blessed? <laughs> if you are a Christian, if you are a Christ follower, that you are richly, richly, richly blessed. Blessed be our God who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And what that means is blessing of the Spirit of God uh, in Christ Jesus. We are blessed people. Now, where's Paul writing this? He's writing it in prison. He's writing it in constrained circumstances. He's writing it with the chink of chains in the background. And yet he can still go off on one in this uh, amazing hymn of praise where he just loses it. He just loses it in God and he just gets so excited at what God has done as we start to hear this morning from Catherine and Paul as they start our service, just to, to thank God for what he's done. And, and so Paul says, we, I'm blessed. <laughs> I, I am blessed. <laughs> I might be in chains. I might be in prison. Uh, you might, Ephesian believers, you might be facing circumstances of constraint and difficulty as some of us have in this past year, but we are going to count our blessings. We're going to count our blessings and we're going to realize in Christ how blessed we really are. And this is all a matter of perspective. <laughs> it's a matter of perspective. And what Paul does is he says, we are, we are so blessed in Christ. We are so blessed with every blessing of the Spirit of God that we have been given. So what are those blessings? What, what are the things that Paul writes about? Well, he, he starts to list them, and as you, as you read through this passage, it's so dense and it's so full that you kind of got to read it several times over and meditate on it and chew on it. But let's just pick out some of the, some of the morsels of, of blessing that Paul highlights. So he says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. You know what it's like uh, not to be chosen, <laughs> You remember that at school? You remember when everybody's picking teams? <laughs> and if you don't get picked, if you don't get picked for the football team or you don't get picked for the game or you don't get picked and, and you're the last one standing and they say, oh, all right, then we'll have Jeff. <laughs> he's, he's the last one. We'll have him on our team. It's painful not to be chosen sometimes. It's painful sometimes to have unrequited love when we love someone and they don't love us back. Or when we apply for a job and we don't get it. Or when we, uh, when we reach out to someone or for something and we, we don't get chosen. Uh, we, we had just a, an incident this week with, with Isaac at university and there was just something and we didn't get, didn't get picked and you just feel the pain for your kids when that happens and you feel it for yourself. What, but what Paul says is actually 
for God has chosen us. And it's not, it's not some last-minute thought or some ad hoc uh, occurrence, but God chose us in him before the creation of the world. Before anything was, before anything existed, God chose you. God had his eye on you, and God chose you. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. The Greek there for predestined is to, is to set boundaries. And the psalm, psalmist says, he has set for me a boundaries in pleasant places. But God has predestined us in Christ and through Christ to be adopted as his sons and daughters, uh, to be brought into his family. Paul was writing to a Roman audience where adoption uh, gave to those that were adopted every right of a child of that parent. Every right of, a, of a, a son or a daughter was given to the adopted child. Every inheritance, every right of that child was, uh, was given to an adopted child. And, it, and Paul says, look, God has chosen you. If, and, and you've been blessed because God has chosen you in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. And he's predestined you uh, to be adopted in in Christ and through Christ as his sons and daughters. And he's done that. It's sandwiched here in the phrase between in love he did it and for the pleasure, for his pleasure and will are the two phrases that bookend that fact that God predestined you to be adopted into his family. He did it in love and he did it for his pleasure and will. It wasn't some arbitrary moment where God did that. He did it because he loves you and he did it because it gave him great joy and great happiness and great satisfaction. And it was in line with his will that he would include you in his family and call you his son or call you his daughter. And that is how he sees you. And that is such a blessing to be called a son of God or a daughter of God, a daughter of the king. And he did this in accordance with his pleasure and will, and he did it to the praise of his glorious grace. We'll come back to that phrase. And then Paul goes on, and he says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. He has redeemed us. That means he has bought us back. And the phrase is used of slaves in biblical times where a, a slave could be redeemed, a price would be paid, and that slave was set free, bought back. And there's always a price involved in that. And what Paul says here is that he has redeemed us, he has bought us back, and he's done that with his blood, with the blood of Jesus Christ, and he has given us the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. Who like thee, his praise, should sing. We have been redeemed through the blood of Christ. We have been bought back. I am not my own. I have been bought with a price. And God has paid that price through his son, Jesus Christ. So Paul is saying, look, God has blessed us. He's blessed us with every blessing of the Holy Spirit in the heavenly realms. The heavenly realms, what are they? What does Paul mean by that? It's the realm of spiritual reality or real reality. Paul is saying what, 
you may look around you and you may see circumstances that are difficult. And you may see things on this earth that are difficult and that are challenging. But in real reality, in the, in the heavenlies, in the realm of spiritual reality, you are blessed today. You are blessed with every blessing that God has given you. You are chosen. You are adopted. You have been bought back from slavery into freedom. You have been forgiven of your sins. Any, anything you've ever done wrong has been wiped clean. The slate has been wiped clean. The, the, the disc has been expunged. Uh, you, have been, you have been completely and utterly forgiven. Your sins have been put from you as far as the east is from the west. That's how far God has removed your transgressions from you. And, Paul says, he's made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. Paul is talking here of an apocalypse. <laughs> apocalypse in... Um, when we hear the word apocalypse or apocalyptic, we might think of end times, we might think of revelation, but apocalypse is an unveiling, an unreveal, a revealing, an unveiling. Uh, and, and, and what Paul says is that God has made known to us now the mystery of his will it, through, through Christ. And uh, what is the, the mystery of his will? It is that all things should be brought under Christ and unified in him. Whether you are a Gentile, whether you are a Jew, God has revealed this to us, this mystery of his will, and he has brought us together as one family in Jesus Christ. And this is to be put into effect in the, as the times reach their fulfillment. But Paul's not finished, and he goes on and he says, in him we were also chosen, having been a, a predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of tr truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed in him, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of all those who are God's possession. Paul says all of these blessings, all this that God has given us, is just the down payment. It's just the amuse-bouche. It's just the starter. It's just a taster of what is yet to come. The Bible says no eye has seen, <laughs> no ear has heard, no heart has conceived what God has stored up for those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. We have no idea what's, what's coming our way, what our inheritance is in Christ Jesus. But what we have now already, these very great blessings, they are just the starter. They are just the warm-up. They are just a sign of what is yet to come. And God has put his seal on us, his seal of ownership. He has put his Holy Spirit in us, if we are Christ followers, uh, as a sign of what is yet to come of this great inheritance, the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So this is Paul giving this expression, this long, long flowing hymn of praise. And he says, look, God has really, really blessed us in Christ. So that's the what, the blessing of God, the blessing of God. And that is available to every one of us 
And there is yet so much to come as well. But what about the why? Why has God done this? This um, hymn divides into three. And at the end of each movement of this hymn, you will find the phrase in verse 6 and in verse 10 and in verse 12, you'll find the phrase, to the praise of his glory. God has done this all to the praise of God's glory. We are made to praise God. We are made for the glory of God. What is the chief end of man that Westminster Shorter Catechism asks? Why are we here? We are here to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. You were made to worship God. You were made to glorify God. That's why when we worship God and when we praise him, uh, we are actually at the very center of what we were made for. We were made for his glory. And you were saved for his glory, not for yourself, but for the glory of God, uh, for the worship of God. That is who we are made to be. We are made to be in relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so whatever it is that's happening, whether we've been chosen, whether we've been adopted, whether we've been predestined, whether uh, God has lavished his grace on us, all of this, whether it's through the Father, whether it's through the Son, whether it's through the Holy Spirit, it is for the praise of his glory. We are to glorify God with our lives. We are to glorify God through our actions. We are to glorify God by who we are as individuals and as a church. We are to bring glory to God, to lift up his name and to point people towards him. This is why we are here. This is the why of this passage, to the praise of God's glory. But the how then, that's the what and the why. The what are these blessings of God that Paul lines up one after the other, after the other, after the other. And the why is that it's all for God's glory and for God's praise. But the how here is through his grace. It says again and again, it speaks of the prayer to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has lavished, freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. The how of how we receive these benefits. You know when you read a policy or when you sign up to a bank account and it says if you have this certain type of bank account, you'll get all of these benefits. Or if you sign up to this program, you'll get all of these benefits. And the how here. Of, of how do we get these benefits? How can I know that I am a child of God? How can I know that my sins have been forgiven? How can I know that I have been chosen and that I, uh, have, been, uh, that I have been made a child of God? How can I receive these benefits that Paul is writing about? How do I get a hold of them? Where do I sign up? How do, how do I know that that's happened to me? What's the access point? The access point, the way that we do this, the how of this, is through God's grace. Paul says this is all through God's grace that he has lavished on us, poured out on us. Now, of course, in in chapter 2 of Ephesians, verses uh, 8 and 9 and 10, Paul goes on to expound this. He says it's by grace, by grace you've been saved. And this is... uh, through faith, and it's not, it's not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So, so Paul goes on to say, 
what he's already saying in this first part in this, in this hymn of praise. He says it's, it's the grace of God. It's by means of the grace of God which he has lavished on us, poured out on us, that we are saved, that, that we can receive these benefits. The grace of God is the undeserved favor of God. We can never earn it. We don't deserve it. It's given to us freely by God through faith as we put our trust in Jesus Christ. That's the how we receive these benefits. The benefits are multiple, they are many, they are amazing, and they are still to come. That's just the down payment that Paul is talking about here as he writes from prison to these believers. He says there's so much more to come, but what we already have, if that's all we ever received, it would be enough to praise God into eternity. And then he says the why. Why have we received all of this? We've received it for the praise of God's glory. We are to glorify God through our lives and to worship him forever. That's why we were made. And if we are not worshipers of God, then we are missing our main purpose in life. And the how of this passage is the grace of God. It's made available not by trying harder to be a son or a daughter of God, to be worthy of that. It's, it's not that. It's given to us freely. It's a free gift. It's a lavished gift. It's a poured out gift that God makes available to us. But if that's the how, then the question is, I guess throughout the passage of Ephesians and beyond is, is where do I get this? Where do I go? And the answer to that is found weaved right through this letter and 11 times in this one single passage. And you will find a repetition of the phrase again and again and again, in him, in him, in Christ, through Christ, by means of Christ, in him, in him we have redemption, in him we have forgiveness, through him we have uh, reconciliation with God. And throughout this passage and throughout Ephesians, we find that we receive all of these benefits. Where do we find them? We get them in Christ, through Christ. He is the conduit through which all of these benefits flow. The heading to the passage is spiritual blessings in Christ. A couple of years ago, I went with Paul to London and we stayed uh, we went for a conference and we stayed at the Union Jack Club in London. The Union Jack Club is for ex-military personnel only. You have to have been in the military to be able to use these facilities in the center of London. Nice parking, a nice restaurant and a bar and rooms and quite central at a decent price. And so uh, Paul can use this facility in London because he's ex-military, but I am not ex-military. I've never been in the military. So we go to sign at the registration, and Paul signs his name and gives his details, yeah, ex-Navy, and we, and we get to go in. And I just say, I'm with him. I, I'm, I'm with him. <laughs> That's how I get to use these facilities. I've never been in the military. I've, I didn't go in submarines. I didn't serve... Uh, in that way, and, but I'm with him, <laughs> and through him, <laughs> I was able to access all of these facilities, and uh, so I'm, I'm going to stay friends with Paul, because it's, it's, um, <laughs> it's, it's a good facility, I want to use it again, um, so I'm with him, 
But what Paul is saying is, is that all of these benefits is I'm with, I'm with him. <laughs> I'm with Christ. He's the one who died on the cross. He's the one who was raised again to life. He's the one who was raised up into the heavenly places. He's the one who was without sin. He's the one who paid the price. He's the one who was there before creation began and was co-created with God the Father and, and uh, the Holy Spirit. And all I get to say is, I'm, I'm with him. <laughs> He's done it all. And what Paul says here, as he writes to these Ephesians believers, says, it's not, it's not your efforts. <laughs> it's not because you're worthy of being chosen. It's not because God looked across humanity and decided to pick the best ones uh, for adoption. It's, it's not because you've worked hard or because you're religious or because you've never sinned or screwed up or messed up. It's not because any of those things. The reason that you are blessed, the reason that you are adopted, the reason that you are chosen, the reason that you are predestined, the reason that God has revealed to you the mystery of his will, the reason that you've been redeemed, the reason that your sins have been wiped out, it is in and through Jesus Christ. That's where the blessing is. That's where you go for it. That's how you get it. And it is, I am with him. I am in Christ. I am forgiven in Christ. I am redeemed in Christ. And that is where it is. That's where the answer is. That's where the, the, that's where the source of blessing is. He is the, in him, all things are held together. All things were made by him and for him. It's Christ who is preeminent above all. And so what Paul is saying as he's writing to these two ethnicities, the Jews and all the we's of this first passage, are saying we, we who believe first, we who knew this first, we Jews. And then he turns and says, you, you Gentiles, we all together were united under Christ as one body. It's through him that we get access into these great benefits and blessings and access to the Father. It's in and through Jesus Christ. And that's the crux of our message today. It's by grace, but it's in Jesus Christ. So if you're going to receive any of these blessings, you have to identify yourself with Christ. You have to have a solidity of relationship with Christ. You have to walk with Christ. I am with him. He is my Lord and my Savior. So when we become Christians, we put our lot in with Christ. We say, I'm with him. I am following him. He is my Lord and my Savior. He died for me to forgive my sins. I am with him. And it's only in that place that we can receive these blessings and the blessings that are yet to come. You know, when you go to a posh restaurant, you, get the, you, you don't even just get a starter. You, you get, before you get the starter, you get the amuse-bouche, the little fancy bit of pastry or the, the little thing that the chef has concocted. It's just literally a little tiny taste of uh, what is to come of the five or six or seven courses that are yet to come. And Paul here, as he effuses over God's blessings that are found in Christ, as he gives out this hymn of praise to God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, he says, this is just the deposit. 
This is just the start. This is just the seal of the Spirit of God that's been put on you, the seal of ownership that you have in you. And there's so much more to come. So yesterday, as we watched the funeral of Prince Philip, we see a casket and we see the medals and we see his years of service, his seven decades plus of service to this country. We see the queen, uh, a believer in Christ. And we hear the words, I am the resurrection and the life. He who is in me, though he dies, yet he will live. Because Jesus says, that's not the end. <laughs> Death is not the end. <laughs> Death is just the transition into the full banquet. If this is the amuse-bouche, you just wait for the wedding supper of the Lamb. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> it's going to be outstanding. These, these are just, this is just the foretaste of what is coming your way, of your inheritance as a son or a daughter of the King. But it all comes through Christ, by faith, through his grace, which he has lavished upon us. So we need to take a hold of that, receive it. And all of this, all of this, Paul says, I'm writing to you because I want you to grow up. I want you to mature in your faith. I want you to know who you are. I want you to know what blessings God has bestowed upon you. I want you to count your blessings. I want you to live in the reality of those blessings and not live like a pauper, but live like someone who has received all of these things and has got a massive inheritance waiting for them in heaven. So I'm going to live like I'm saved, and I'm going to live like a son or a daughter of the king, and I'm going to live as one who knows what is yet to come. So Paul says two things. He says, I want you to grow up, and I want you to be unified under Christ. So I'd love to pray for you this morning. And if you are not in Christ, it's a difficult phrase that just weaves right through this letter, but it, it is essential to get in hold of what these truths are in and through Christ. If you can say, if you can align yourself with Christ, say, I want to believe in him, I want to receive him, I want to, we use all kinds of phrases to try and express it. I want to invite him into my heart. I want to invite him into my life. I want him to be my Lord and Savior. I want to follow him. I want to be a Christian. However you phrase it, I don't really care. You just need to be able to say, I'm with him. I'm following him. He's my Lord and my Savior. And if you'd like to do that today and you've never done that, or you want to recommit your life to following him, then you can pray with me a prayer in a moment and cede your life to Christ, not by your effort, but just by receiving the gift. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for me. I'll receive that gift of salvation. Thank you for your many blessings in Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the truths of Scripture, and we thank you that We can receive all of these blessings in and through Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray this morning for anyone who's listening that has never done that, that has never known what it is to be forgiven and cleansed and to receive all of these many, many benefits of being a follower of Christ. I pray if there's anyone here or in the earshot of this message that wants to give their life to Christ, to put their faith in you, I pray now that you would visit them. And maybe if you are that person, you would like to pray 
something like this, Lord, I am sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. I thank you that you died for me on the cross. Please come into my heart and into my life and forgive me and save me and cleanse me and give me a new start. I want to follow Jesus. I want to be a Christian. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.